0: Log TALK RADIO Hello. There you are. Hi. Yes, okay. hi. I'm here. So, we have Dr. Brown. Yes? Dr. Brown's here. Hi. She's hi right there. here. Hi, Dr. How are you? Hi.
1: Good, Dr. glad Brenda, to have you I'm with fine. us tonight.
0: And we'll Thank talk you. about your book, here. and we're ready to rock and roll. Thank you. Terrific. Okay, and I go by Dr. Brenda for the show. And what would you like me to call you?
1: You can call me Sarah, that's fine.
0: Alrighty. thanks. Bye-bye. Be with you in a minute. Okay, one second. Big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello there, modern lovers. So glad to be with you tonight. And so important what we're going to be talking about tonight because we're going to talk about you and your personality. Yeah, the book of you, what's written in that book? How did you develop the personality you have and how does it affect, you know what, your love life? So our guest tonight is Dr. Sarah Brown and we're so interested in this topic because she's made a deep study of personality And how that affects every aspect of our lives, the way in which it's the key to happiness, success, great relationships, feeling stress or dealing with stress well or not well. So much has to do with your personality. Let's find out from Dr. Sarah Brown where personality comes from, whether we can change it, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show, Sarah. How are you?
1: Dr. Brenda, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, this is a fascinating topic. Would you start us off by telling us how you got interested in this field of personality?
1: I I certainly will. I have over 30 years' experience working in corporate America, and most recently I was working for Accenture, which is a very large consulting and outsourcing firm. Um, and I, I had a great job, and I loved my clients, but I kept noticing something, and that was is that so many of my clients would land in the wrong job, and they were miserable. But when I would ask them what it was they wanted, so often they could not answer the question, and that really got me to thinking. And then I realized that Sarah couldn't answer the question very clearly for herself.
0: Oh, wow. So,
1: so I had to get very serious about answering that question for me. And I, I, the way I went about it was, was I got a coach. And that coach helped me take a battery of personality tests. And from that, we were able to piece together what was unique about me And what it was about my job that would make me happy and successful and understood based upon what my interests were, what my behavioral strengths were, and more importantly, what my needs were. And when I did that, I realized that this is something that a whole lot of people beyond me and the clients that I was telling you about might benefit from. And that's what launched me into this work.
0: So what did you discover about your own personality
1: that made the difference? Well, the, I noticed that there, I learned two things. One is, is that my underlying needs were not necessarily, e.g., what I needed in a culture, were not necessarily the way I behaved on a day-in and day-out basis. So, for example, I spent a lot of time listening to people, and I was rather empathetic. But what I really needed back from other people was very frank discourse. I needed people to tell me like it was, even if it was about my performance. And if that didn't happen, I would go in stress. So there, that's an example of where my usual behavior and my underlying needs were totally different. Another example is this big Now, before culture. you
0: before you go mm-hmm. on with another example, what, why, why did your underlying needs create stress? What was that about? What well, does that mean if, in terms of personality?
1: Well, what the the work that I am doing right now is based off of a research done by a psychologist by the name of Dr. Roger Berkman. And his theory based on that is is that we develop a, we, we are born with perceptions and, and expectations of our environment. And when that environment doesn't line up with our expectations, we tend to go into stress. But we can learn behavior. Um, That is Totally different from that So it is the difference between that Underlying expectation And need and your usual behavior That creates the conflict
0: Okay so what you're saying is that Infants are born with Basic needs and expectations For nurturing, for care For comfort, for Safety, all being Fed, all those basic things And if they're not met then That infant goes into stress
1: Well, yes, everything that you said is true, but what Roger Bertman did was he took it to the next level, and he said beyond those basic needs, there are other factors that we have around how the world works and how we compare to that world that go beyond the basic nurturing, and these are the fine points of personality that he was interested in measuring. And that's what got me interested in this distinction between what we as individuals expect or need, what we need in a supportive culture versus how we actually behave. And I have found even beyond the work of, of Dr. Berkman that this is um, a pretty important point um, in helping people to understand what they need to be happy and successful.
0: So how do you explain Personality. If you just said this is what personality is, so everybody could understand it, what is it?
1: Well, I take it. I I take it and make it very very specific and say it is three components only, and those are the only components that I'm interested in right now. And those are interest and passion.
0: They so interest are and passion. Okay,
1: passions. That's one. Behavioral strength, so that's how we naturally tend to behave with others, or um, uh, primarily with other people, um, and it's motivational needs, e.g., what do what kind of um, what do we expect in the environment, um, and how we will likely behave if we don't get
0: that. Okay, so we've got those three things. One is. We're going backwards now to how you're going to behave if you don't get what you expect or need in the environment, and that's what you meant by stress earlier.
1: That's what I mean by stress. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So not
0: getting what you need causes stress, and then we need motivation, and go back to point number one one more time. So I want to make sure I get it.
1: Sure. Interests and passions.
0: Interests. So, passions.
1: so when, those
0: do those start? That, yeah, when do those things me, start? Yeah. Let me. Let me. Let
1: me define the interests and passions a little bit okay. because sometimes we get hung up on big causes. And what I'm interested in, in terms of interests and passions, is really day to day activities, the kinds of things that we enjoy doing on a day in and day out basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether people want to be spending time interacting with other people or they would rather interact with numbers. Those are two extremes, but those, those are the kinds of things. Got it. That I'm, okay, that I'm so that's in. clear. Mm-hmm. Now, at
0: what age do you think we begin to develop those things, and how much How much is nature, how much is nurture? The age <laughs> old debate.
1: Yes, I,
0: I, I wish I could tell
1: you that I was an expert on that. I'm not. I will tell you what Dr. Berkman's theory was and his theory was is that interests and passions and the underlying needs were pretty much born with. That was his theory. Um, and he believed that our strength behavior, our usual behavior was socialized. So we learned that that was more on the nurture side than the nature side. But I'm, ha- I'm reading uh, a lot now going into just your question and and it is becoming clearer and clearer that there is a a neuro, um, excuse me a nature component
0: of all of these. Uh, there's to
1: a some nature extent.
0: component, and there's also quite a bit of research in epigenetics and in the cutting edge there with looking at how we can turn gene sequencing on or turn it off because exactly. of stressors and trauma. That mm-hmm. so much of who we are, even our personalities can shift Exactly. and shift dramatically. So when you you have somebody who comes in to see you and they come in with a question, for example, they're saying, gee, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at home. I'm not happy in my work. Where do you start working with someone like that in terms of understanding their personality and how that can help?
1: I start working on the three components that we just talked about, interest and passion, strength behaviors, and then underlying needs. Of those three, the easiest one to get an individual to focus on is the interest or passion part, because you can ask simple questions like, tell me what you were doing all day today, and which of those did you enjoy the most? Even when you take a personality test, that data is coming from your preferences. So it's the one that people can usually get at the most. When you get to strengths behaviors and, and other behavioral things, it's often easiest to get them to ask other people. It's interesting that we have a hard time identifying our strengths across the board. And so it's often the case that other people who know us well or who've worked with us will be in a better position to judge what are our strengths and what versus what they aren't. And the interesting thing about strengths is they're situation dependent. So just because I tend to do something doesn't make it right or wrong, good or bad. Each one of those natural behaviors or things that we've learned and have gotten pretty good at have their place. And the trick is figuring out the kinds of work and the kinds of environment that that's going to be a strength rather than a detriment.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so I give, give us an example. So somebody okay, comes in and you need to up. get them. Oh, good. Great.
1: So I'll give you an example of a strength and, and how it plays out. And it's, I, I have to give credit to uh, one of my colleagues, Dan Terryman, for this one. He calls it the Mr. Spock. Captain Kirk phenomenon. <laughs> you, at, one, at, one end of the, at one end of the spectrum, you've got all facts, Captain, uh-huh. uh, all facts, Mr. Spock, and at the other end, you've got warm, empathetic Captain Kirk, who can listen to anybody. One's not right or wrong. They just happen to be different. And whether there's strength depends upon the situation. So if you've got a technical problem like the Starship Enterprise is in trouble, you want a Mr. Spock on the job but you don't want mr Spock taking the customer service call where listening to a client or a customer's problems with empathy is critical to saving that customer okay so the that trick makes is, great
0: sense yeah <laughs> and of course so you the, trick up, is, <laughs> so the trick is being a the trick of course fan. is is
1: is finding where each individual is on a whole host of spectrums and then identifying the kinds of environments and the kind of work in which that will be a strength rather than um, a liability.
0: Okay, so you're saying we want to match personality to the job. That's certainly important. What about relationships? How do personalities play out in the world of love? Because here on Modern Love Radio, we like to know how we can use these things and understand these things in our love lives. Okay. Well,
1: um, let's let's take those three components and walk it through again. The, The one that's the easiest to understand is the one that is interest. If you have with someone with another partner have compatible interest, you're going to enjoy spending time with that individual because you're going to each enjoy those kinds of activities. So that one is the easiest to understand where there are divergent interests and there aren't a lot in there, then it's harder to find time with the individual on a consistent basis because you don't tend to like to do the same activities. So that one's pretty easy to understand. Strength behaviors um, or usual behaviors can be uh, synergistic or they can be in conflict with each other, particularly if they're particularly strong at one end of the other. So give an you example could in- of
0: how that could, could play out with a couple when we talk about strong okay. behavior. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it, if you have uh, a couple, two individuals who are um, – well, I'll, I'll give you a conflicting one that plays out, and this one is true in uh, my own, own marriage. It's what I call the difference between the rush and wait phenomenon or the wait and rush phenomenon, and it has oh. to do with your preference for when you go to the airport. Ah. If you wait, uh, if you wait <laughs> until the very last minute, then you are going to be in conflict with the person who wants to go and get there in plenty of time and wait and not have to worry about it? So that is a, a potential where um, where two preferences or behaviors are going to be in conflict and it's going to create friction unless you find a way to work it out.
0: Yes, I have seen it many times and experienced myself. I'm definitely rush and just rushing all the way through because there's always more to do before I get there. And mm-hmm. I was once married to somebody who liked to get there really early, have a cup of coffee and read the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it was like well, are and you they are... me? <laughs>
1: it's an it's an example of opposites attracting. You know, so so
0: but it creates
1: the, it creates situations where you've got to to work things out.
0: So, so how where do you the, work it, it out? if the personality inclinations and differences are there. How do you propose that people work it out?
1: Well, I I will give you an example of how my husband and I worked this particular one out. Um, we, We decided that each person was going to be a lead on some trip. So, for example, if he was accompanying me on a business trip, I was the lead. If I was accompanying him on the business trip, then he is the lead. So whoever the lead is gets to decide when you go to the airport. So if I'm following him, I can't say anything. We go to the airport. When he decides he's going to go to the airport, if we miss the flight, oh, well, that's just the consequence of that behavior. I can't say anything.
0: Oh, so he's the one who likes to wait and rush.
1: (laughs) Correct. I rush and wait. I rush and wait. So. So where it gets tricky is when nobody is in the lead, like you're going on a vacation. And in that case, what we do is we do sit down and we talk about it two days ahead of time before it actually becomes an issue. And we talk about what's going on and uh, what the consequences are of missing the flight, and we decide whose who's behavior we're going to actually honor and and the the rationale for it. And once the decision is made two days ahead of time, we don't talk about it after
0: Wow. So that thing, is so mature. Thing. That is such a mature behavior. There are so many couples I have worked with in the many years I have done you know, trainings and and seminars and television shows and, and private coaching. There are so many couples who can't develop the capacity to really sit down and solve something like that. So does that take us to personality module number three?
1: Well, once you understand understand the need and where it's coming from, you can get – it's much easier to get into problem-solving mode than into accus, accusation mode.
0: So what's your and, need to, to rush – no, no, wait and rush? What did you discover about
1: yourself? I, I need to know because I, I'm rushing. I'm wait and rush. I rush and wait. So I need to get to the airport at um, in plenty of time. The underlying need for me is, is I am not good at last-minute problem solving. That's not my strength.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and. So I need, and and I need a measured pace of activity. Frantic activity is not something that copes well with with me and my psyche. So the reason that I get to the airport so early is so that I can have a more measured pace of action and I am less likely to have a last minute glitch that I have to problem solve.
0: Ah, okay. Got it. That makes sense. So my personality is different because I'm the second of seven children, and doing problem solving is something I learned to do super early in life with five mm-hmm. young siblings and two parents that worked very long hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. great at that. So it's like, problem, give it to me. hmm don't care and, can, you, and wait and rush. <laughs> That's interesting. So
1: you, and you can see how this plays out on a job as well. Yes, yes. People that are very good at waiting and rushing who are good at the last-minute things are going to be better or at least under less stress in occupations that require last-minute problem solving. Right.
0: Now go back to that final, final personality box, if you will, about strength. How does that play out in your love life? How does that affect us in relationships?
1: Well, most importantly, it plays out if it matches up with your underlying partner's needs or expectations. So the more your usual behavior lines up with what your partner wants, the more you're going to find attraction and the less there's going to be conflict. And so I'll I'll give you a case in point. I have an underlying need to have a some degree some degree uh, of um, group interaction, but that is not my strength behavior. So I I would not be the person that people would um, see as the the Myers Briggs label of the extrovert, the life of the party. That's not, not me. But I have a need for some kind of affiliation with that group at the party. So my husband is, is that person. He is the life of the party. So he actually facilitates my getting that need met. So the way it plays out in relationships is, is if the strength behavior of the partner matches up with the expectation or the need of the other partner, then you have natural synergy and you have less conflict and you actually reduce the stress of of the person whose expectations or needs are getting met.
0: Okay, so both of you can kind of complement one another's needs. Now what if Mm -hmm. you have a couple where both people have a personality of life of the party?
1: That's where you can typically have um, competition. Um, It can be either synergistic or competition, depending on the situation. That one is not as clear to explain. Um, It just has to do with that particular component and whether or not it's going to be viewed as competition to the other partner.
0: Okay, now one of the things you also talk about that I found really interesting, Sarah, is you talk about how different personality types cope with stress. And Mm -hmm. today's world, being what it is, we know that stress is one of the things that has a really detrimental impact on relationships because it's very difficult not to bring that stress home. So how can your personality type help you or hurt you when it comes to stress?
1: Well, I think that the trick in handling stress, regardless of personality type, is to, A, recognize when you're in it, and, B, recognize that there's a fundamental need that's not being met and that it is your responsibility to figure out what that need is and get it met. And once you've done that, you will begin to come out of stress. Hmm. So, so the, the, and that's not easy to do. Um, it's, and it's not, it's particularly not easy to diagnose in the situation. So where two individuals have a really keen appreciation for the underlying needs of the other they're in a position to help that, that other individual underlo- understand what the underlying need is that's not being met when the stressful situation arises. Um, and and let's, let's take the Russian weight situation, uh, for example. Uh, take that one um, as a good one, particularly at work. Uh, the culture of um, Accenture was very much a wait-and-rush culture, and I'm very much a rush-and-wait person. So I experience stress a lot for the reasons that I explained to you. My last-minute problem-solving is not as good as others, and I need to work at a more measured pace. But understanding that puts me in the mode of problem-solving, how can I get that need met, even though the culture is not um, the best for my particular situation. And I can actually put out there to my colleagues, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, I will work best if I do not have to deal with last-minute problems. Can we divvy up the work so that I do all of the upfront stuff and you guys are available to handle the last-minute glitches?
0: Okay, so that works in terms of what's happening in the workplace. What about at home? What if this is the big thing that couples end up fighting about because they're not getting their needs met they both feel very stressed what would be your best recommendation
1: well even my best recommendation is to understand what the underlying need is for each individual and work on jointly problem solving How so what are some examples that-
0: of underlying needs that could be causing that
1: um uh an individual that um needs to focus on something until they can get it done will have will feel a lot of stress if they're having to bounce between a bunch of activities.
0: So you're saying man, multiple so need to focus on things, I'm teasing now. <laughs> Because we know I, the hunter brain is hardwired for yeah. strong focus, and we there are certainly I, I women that can do it. Yeah.
1: I well we we've heard that. I don't I don't know whether that there's any scientific data on that. Oh, there is there scientific data on it. Is trust
0: there? me. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely. Okay. Uh, we have okay. a longer so, brain stem for the longer focus. You know that that single focus brain. There's quite a bit of research on that, but the key, what you're getting to, I think is that we have to know ourselves well enough to dig in and understand. I have an underlying need. Need. It it may be that, you know, my single-focused brain says, I've got to get this task finished or I don't feel successful and it creates stress for me. And the multitasker may be going, oh, no, 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 stop and do da-da-da-da-da and somehow coming to an accommodation as a couple around that.
1: Exactly. And to the extent that the couple understands the underlying needs of each other, they can support each other in that process. Mm -hmm. And the stressful situation then becomes an opportunity for joint problem solving. But I think the primary thing is everybody needs to own their own responsibility to get their own needs met. And and when they do that, and then they can go into problem solving mode when uh, a stressful situation occurs, it minimizes the blame game. And it also channels energy into doing something constructive, like how do I get this particular need met?
0: Okay, so a lot of work, everyone. Sarah Brown. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brown is talking about how our underlying personality is shaped. We all have underlying needs, knowing what the needs are and how your particular personality style lends itself or doesn't lend itself to getting the needs of that. So we've got work to do to make some discoveries about ourselves. So tell us how people can get in touch with you, your website, and any materials that are out there people can get a hold of.
1: Okay, so all information is on my website called bookofyou.com, just as it sounds, bookofyou.com. Um, there is um, a book on, that has just been released actually on Amazon uh, focused on the job uh, aspect of what we've been talking about called Let Your Personality Be Your Career Guide. You can also find information on that on the website bookofyou.com. But the best place to go is bookofyou.com, and you can find me there as well.
0: Wonderful. All right, Dr. Sarah Brown, thank you so much for illuminating this field of personality, personalization, how that can be part of building a really great relationship. Everyone stay tuned. Next week we have Dr. Judy Morgan, who's going to talk about pets, food, and your love life how those things play out. And big thank you to our producers, Mr. LeGron Green, our executive producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, and to you modern lovers, lots of love and lots of blessings. Till next time.